This is EdTech Weekly. In today's show, computer science is on the rise, Jessica Alba encoding, internet for everyone, also some security updates to Android, and more. I'm Ricky Zager, the host of the show, and with me today, and almost always, uh, Matt Harrison. Matt, uh, I take it after your week off last week that you are refreshed and ready to go. I'm assuming that maybe you did some mani-pedis and some spot treatments last week. Well, I was in L.A., and as we all know, L.A. is a very safe place. You're able to walk around, get manis and petties without any issues at all. San yes. Diego is dangerous. You're going to want to stay away, steer clear of San Diego, yes. yes. Very good point. All right, Matt. Well, we are glad to have you back. Last week's show definitely suffered, and I, it was probably unlistenable, so I'm hoping we didn't lose all of our listeners, how many, a small number that might be. Let's get to our first story. The Brooklyn Downtown Star reports that Code Brooklyn is aiming to bring computer science to public schools. Code Brooklyn is basically a call to action to get more local students to be ready for the expansion of technology and computer science jobs that are already growing in Brooklyn. Uh, The borough president, Eric Adams, is on a mission to get students in Brooklyn ready for these computer science jobs. He wants them to be prepared, trained, to take these jobs as they come about, come available. Matt, uh, we continue to hear these stories of initiatives, programs designed to get more students interested in computer science. Uh, is it is it just that uninteresting, Matt? Is that why we have to push so far hard to get these students interested? Uh, no, I think it has more. I mean, well, I'd like to think that it has more to do with access and, I mean, the large glut of jobs that are coming up. I mean, uh, access being, you know, you have to sort of reach out to a lot of different groups and try to make the tent as big as possible and get as many perspectives and people involved in it all together, um, it, which will help drive landscape trends uh, towards tech necessity. But we also already have that. Um, so much of our lives are dictated by what happens on applications on phones. Um, if I leave my county, I most certainly will have my phone running to tell me what the traffic is like because I am somebody who absolutely needs to not get stuck in traffic due to, uh, you know, inability to deal with traffic. Uh, <laughs> it used to be forever ago you'd get up super early in the morning and you'd watch the news and they'd tell you what the traffic looks like and then it was kind of a crapshoot, you know. Hey, I'm going to leave now and I'm going to head up 9L and I'm going to see if everything's working. Now you have real time and we have so many different um, apps that we can use to do that. The crazy thing is that takes a lot of manpower. That takes a lot of um, education that's involved in making those apps work and run smoothly and on your device all the time. I mean, just think about, grab your phone, look at how many apps you have, and then think about what it took to actually make that. Yeah, multiple coders probably for each one, I would imagine. And, you know, I feel like it's almost like, to simplify this, Matt, I feel like basically what's being said right now is that the nerdy kids aren't enough for coding anymore. We need more. We need to include more people. It can't just be those people like when I was in high school, and I actually did dabble in coding some, but it was just you were a certain type to be in there, and definitely male, definitely sort of geeky, and most likely probably more white, you know, than anything else. I mean, that's just the sort of demographics that have are, were drawn to it at the time and I think still are. But this is just kind of saying, I think it's making it more accessible. Like people just thought you had to be 
a complete nerd and brainiac to be a good coder. And it's just not the case. There's people that have those talents, but they don't really even think that's possible based on how it's presented. So this kind of stuff just presents it in a way that makes it more palatable for kids who don't think, oh my gosh, you have to be a super nerd and just do nothing but code all the time. It actually turns it into a more of a fun, exciting thing, I think. Oh, yeah. And you also note stories that go through the history of our own podcast, listening to all the different avenues that people are outreaching. Uh, how you do it by explaining that you as a student can't do everything, how to build a team. Now, once you have that team, what are the specialties that you're going to be working on? Um, and then branching out of those other things, uh, looking at uh, what business models you can be using. We did a story about uh, drones and how you could build a whole business around that in itself. Just on Reddit this past week, you've had someone who you know, was talking about you know, how much money they make doing uh, photography with their drone. I mean, these are, this is a whole new landscape that's taking technology and making it more accessible all the time and bringing on every avenue of life. Yeah, absolutely. And our next story sort of goes along with that, but this is bringing us an EdTech Weekly first, Matt, pulling a story from teenvogue.com. That's right. I'm guessing that you are probably already familiar with that site, Matt. Teen Vogue, are you a subscriber? Um. As a teen girl myself. I'm going to go with a yes on that. That was a delayed response. I'm going to go with yes. You are a subscriber. Good. But what's not love to, what is not to love about this story, Matt? We got Jessica Alba. And, you know, of course, she's a personal favorite of mine as well as I'm sure many other, uh, mostly males. But, yeah, you know. Coding. Okay, that's a little less appealing, but I like that as well. Teen Vogue is reporting, Matt. Yes, I said reporting. Teen Vogue does report, apparently, that. Jessica Alba wants every young woman to see the new Code Girl film. Now, Code Girl is a documentary by filmmaker Leslie Chilcott, sponsored by Google's Made with Code initiative. It follows high school girls from diverse backgrounds as they each compete in the International Technovation Challenge and work in an effort to solve problems that affect their local communities with technology. I mean, this is another step in that process of trying to get young ladies interested in coding. It's, you know piggybacking on the story we just talked about getting more people interested apparently even with the push lately that we've been reporting on for weeks and weeks of uh, doing this show we still need more diverse coders in fact at the moment the, the most current data they have says that only 0.3 percent of high school females plan on majoring in computer science that is an appallingly low number i'm not sure if you know planning to do it is 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 the key there because people kind of maybe get into that later on or once they get to college but that's still a low number i'm sure jessica alba alone will drive many to see this documentary i for one probably will see it because i heard about it through jessica alba but there's clearly a lot of work left to do if we really want to have a lot of uh, a larger percentage of female coders in this world and and i mean you can head to the site we'll put a link in the show notes and you can check out her video that she posted Matt, certainly the effort being made is going to have to pay dividends at some point, right? I mean, there's a lot of a lot of effort going out there. I mean, we've got Jessica Alba doing this video just to get people to watch a documentary about code. I mean, this is there's a lot of effort being made. Is this this is going to pay some dividends, right? Oh, absolutely. I think over time um, we'll see you know an uptick um, in female involvement in coding, and there already has been. I mean, coming over the past twenty years. You're seeing a lot more attention being paid to females that um, are working in the industry. I know for a fact that um, a lot of these initiatives take time. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you know you th when you look at it, 
the information is out there. And it's like you said, over the past 20 years, you've definitely been people who are paying attention to this hear about certain women who are doing these great things with movies and coding. And I know I think Pixar is one of those companies that has a lot of females that have been developing like that. And, you know, at the end of the day, just knowing that women are involved in it isn't enough to get a girl to be interested necessarily, right? There's got to be more. There's got to be something else that pulls her into it. And I think you're right. Eventually, this is definitely going to reap some benefits, but it has to be that sort of call to action or getting people to be involved in it. It's not just knowing that women can do it. It's knowing how and getting them interested in doing it that I think is the real challenge. Well, and if you look at every way in which people are trying to do it, you know, trying to widen the tent uh, they're all doing it through different avenues. Um, we've had other ones where they ha- uh, there was an initiative where I th- what was it a conference where it was you know celebrating women who came before and then talking about all of the great things that they've done. Yeah, um, there's a website. Yeah, one another one. Um, they all just reach out in different ways, and it takes time to make all of that because I got interested in coding um, simply because. I don't know. I just one day went to work and they're like, learn how to do this. And I said, okay. Before then, I would have killed to have learned how to do it, but it really came down to there being an incentive for me to actually learn it. Um, when I was in high school, you know, I fell in love with English Lit because the stories were there. You know, the teachers I had were great. It takes a lot of these different aspects that are going to get people interested in it. And I'm sure if you go across the country and you look at different schools, they probably have different involvement. Um, as far as you know, who's gravitating towards what classes, and a lot of it has to do to the teachers and the involvement of using technology or uh, the systems at the time that garner the most, um, you know, actual interest in that subject. Yeah, wow. I, I, the website I was thinking of, and I don't know if this is what you're talking about, was edtechwomen.com, and they kind of focus on women in educational technology and, and specific, yeah. not necessarily coding. But yeah, I mean, there's just there's a lot of this out there, and again, it, it's going to take a lot. And I think we were, I was kind of mentioning in one of the previous shows, like, I mean, isn't this enough already? Don't we have enough of this? But it's not. You you really have to try every angle to get as many people involved in order to sort of move that needle in the right direction. So, again, Jessica Alba's doing it. Um, and I know she's a role model. For, I know I was, you know, making some comments about, you know, being interested because of Jessica Alba, because clearly she's an attractive woman. But, you know, she is also a billionaire because of her honest company. Um, and so she's definitely a role model for a lot of, of, of young women as well. So her getting involved is certainly going to help. Yeah. Matt, and, I mean, oh, remember during the Olympics, you had Tim Berners-Lee, who ended up doing a slight presentation and then tweeted from the Olympics. Tim Berners-Lee is an amazing amazing person that created so much and because of him and because of his passion a lot of people got involved in it and we need more role models that get involved and are passionate about this Steve Wozniak's another person you know he could easily fall flat and fall behind and not have a whole lot to say about that but we need those people that are passionate all the time and then see it as an open tent and not a closed off area and Jessica Alba uh, does that phenomenally well excellent yes well said Matt, our next story, a Business Insider article explains that Google is getting closer to providing round-the-world internet coverage. Matt, we've had this story before. In episode 14 of our show, we talked about Project Loon and how it was working in Sri Lanka to, to get some stuff done. And it seems like they're getting even closer to their goal of bringing internet to remote parts of the world. Matt, this is uh, internet for everyone. I mean, I don't want to go Oprah Winfrey here, but 
you know, you get the internet and you get the internet and you get the internet. I mean, seriously. Apparently, these solar-powered internet balloons now can last as long as 187 days. They were having some issues early on with those, some, some to do with the manufacturing. And the launch process is also improved. Apparently, uh, they can launch one about every 15 minutes with just one or two people. Um, that's, not so, that's not such a bad deal when you're talking about getting these things in the air. I, I suppose at some point, Matt, we should mention that this is not through Google, but rather through Alphabet. Um, would you care to explain that to anyone or is, is this people who either just don't know or just refuse to acknowledge that Google is trying to change their parent company's name? Oh, Google just changed the parents com- parent company's name from Google to Alphabet. I mean, they have the exact same things. It's just now it's under a larger um, umbrella. Is it to subvert us from their goal of Google taking over the world? Are they going to say, no, no, that's Alphabet. That's not Google trying to take over the world. Uh no, you don't think that's it. I mean, Although I don't maybe know. it's to maybe it's to get rid of Google uh, has the belief of do no evil, because there have been some questionable things like mm. getting rid of the podcast app Google. You hear me? Oh, you got mad, very upset about this. Well, this well, happened six years ago. Okay, well, you're still angry about it. They need to I'm know. Angry elf. Yeah. Well, you know, certainly this is really cool, especially for islands and some areas like that, or different difficult terrain where it's really almost impossible or simply not worth running cables there. Or where um, Comcast is. Yes, yes, exactly. In the, everywhere Comcast is, they treat it like it's an island or difficult terrain. <laughs> wow, there's a lot of fire and anger coming out of you today. Google and now Comcast, although Comcast certainly uh, has a lot of enemies, I think, from what I hear. so Yes, I, I say that having holding a Nexus 6, knowing full well that no one will be ever ever be able to pry that from my hands. Yes. Well, you, you, you have a love-hate relationship with Google. Most people probably don't have much of a love relationship with Comcast. I would imagine it's mostly hate. No. No. It's, yeah. Well, you, actually, we, you know what, Google? I will do anything I can. Um, I can be one of your two people to help launch these things every 15 minutes if that means that the day that Comcast becomes irrelevant, I get to be there next to you guys and just say, na-na-na-na-boo-boo, stick your head in doo-doo ultimate revenge ultimate revenge well matt definitely we talked about this before so i won't talk about it much but this is just a really awesome opportunity for people who would not be able to access information to be able to get that information and to be able to who knows what they might do with it we again we talk about getting these people involved in coding that may not have been involved before and what they could do with it same thing people who have not had this information getting it it's exciting to think about what they could do with it so now we come to our final story This is kind of up your alley, Matt, more than me. This is from the next web. Push Bullets Android 6.0 Marshmallow Update brings on-demand app permissions. I believe this is something that we talked about in the security issues um, with apps and some apps asking permissions, and they were getting um, some some malware and some things put on devices. Um, I think that was episode five, so way back in the beginning we were were on target with this stuff. Apparently how this works, Matt, is it's it asks for individual things. Like it just doesn't say, hey, I need access to your contacts, to your emails, to your this, to your that. It, it breaks them down one by one, and you can decide when you allow it to look at individual things. Is that correct? Yeah, and it looks pretty awesome. And I would love to see more and more apps actually doing that. Um, I remember during that episode five, if you will, that we were talking about <laughs> Uh, flashlights. This I call it the I call it the Cinco, the Cinco. But go ahead. Cinco is yes. that? Well, I don't know. Now you make me think of the subreddit, the Ocho. It's the best <laughs> subreddit of all time. Um, no, we were talking about flashlight apps on Android, 
And, you know, in the early days, everybody wanted to have the ability to use their phone to have a flashlight or whatever. And then these would ask for the most ridiculous permissions. Like, I need to have access to all of your pictures, and I need all of your contacts, and I need all of your emails. And, well, can you, you know, draw your blood and put it into my, uh, you know, headphone jack so I can analyze it and send it back to the mothership? I mean, I feel like, um, you're, I feel like you're being a little negative towards the flashlight app. I've, I've used that multiple times. Now, I, I understand the permissions part, but it seemed like you were like, you know, people want to use a flashlight app. I mean, I think that's no, a real thing. No, it is, thing. It is very nice. Thing, I mean, it's nice. I guess I'm being a bit more tongue-in-cheek just because there are hundreds of flashlight apps and yes. all of them ask for the same thing. And it's all about, hey, I turned on your flash and now I have all your data. So to understand. data are belong to me. To, to get this correct, Matt, Pushbullet is sort of a an app sort of that lets you share things with other Android devices. So this isn't Android's Marshmallow alone having this ability. It's just an app that's that's sort of integrated this. Is that right? Um, well, it's something you can use. Um, so let's say that I have um, a Nexus 7, uh, which unfortunately mine has passed away. Hmm. Or some out for your homies. Um, I can install Pushbullet on my phone. And on that, and I can also install it onto my Chrome OS or Windows-based and then just run the program. So any text message I get can actually be sent to that. Okay. So I can read it across basically what you already have for Apple, you're able to do with this uh, program. But it, it exists in a, a lot of different things. Okay. So this is, so we would might, maybe we would call this a step in the right direction for yeah. for Android devices and, and apps being able to access only information that's necessary and single out different areas. Is that right? Um, this would be the, it's, what it actually does is similar to what in, or what Apple already does with their iPhone and the iPad and how you can set it up on there. As far as the, Per basis permissions, I don't remember seeing anything like this before. I mean, this would be phenomenal if I open up Clash of Clans, you know, instead, you know, it asks, hey, do you want me to have access to this if you're trying to communicate and using something else? That's more what I'm, I mean, the push bullet thing is great. I mean, it's all well and good. I don't really use it. I have a singular device. Um, Yeah. Well, regardless. yeah, I was just thinking. Regardless of that, I mean, it's it's definitely something that starts trending towards what what we what you should want to have, or what we hope that a lot of apps have, and that's not gathering things and getting data or asking to get data from certain things it doesn't need. So if we can get more close to that, security is going to be a little bit better to manage for people. Oh yeah, I mean, as we were talking before this, I was looking for a new podcast app. I recently had to um, revert my phone back to the original Nexus Six. And, you know, I don't like having that many apps. I would love it if I, today I could use Google's uh, podcast app um, in, the mu- in the Google Music Store. It Are would you be amazing be, for me. Is this because more I, anger towards Google because no, I don't have actually, that right it's yet? Not, okay. it's not anger. I just, <laughs> I, there comes a point where you can have 400 different apps and then at some point you're like, oh, well, so many of these could easily just be integrated with one another. Right. Why would I want to use something else? When I, my phone, my old Nexus 6 was cracked, I lost a lot of my podcasts on Dogcatcher because they don't have an amazingly intuitive cloud system. So I have to re-go in and re-sign up for all my podcasts and then not download the ones I've already listened to. And Yeah, it does become a pain to do stuff like that. Well, let's, I mean, the big thing that I want to talk about here and sort of the, you know, the segment here, the featured segment, is just to go over a, a couple really quick things about security measures that you can take 
um, in your daily life on apps or just on the computer in different in different websites. You know, first and foremost, to me, complex passwords. You you gotta you gotta go away from using like password as your password, please, and like you know <laughs> one two three four and all all of those things. You you gotta be better than that. There, I'm not saying and and no one's saying that people can't hack very complex passwords. It just takes a lot more time and a lot more effort, and you want to avoid giving low hanging fruit. Don't make it too easy for people. You know that you're going to get caught a lot quicker with if you make it too easy. So try to make complex passwords. Get a password management system. Something, make your passwords more difficult. Um, a perfect website is passwordgenerator.net. Perfect passwordgenerator.net. So, and actually, there's actually a script on there where it doesn't generate it from the website. It generates it from your browser. So not even they could possibly you know have access. Awesome. And I'll put that in the links to the show notes as well, so that you can see that. The second thing is if you can find if you can use two-factor authentication, do it. If if your software or your website or anything that you're using app is offering it, use it. It's not that big of a pain. It just usually sends a code to your phone and then you just put the code in. And it, again, is that unbeatable? I'm sure it's not unbeatable. Somebody could get your phone. Somebody, I mean, sure there's ways that they could intercept the message something, but it's a lot more difficult. Any comments on that, Matt? Two-factor authentication? Um, no, it's just absolutely necessary. Do it. I mean, there's nothing. There are things that happen. I mean, you don't have to go as crazy as some, you know, some companies that spend hundreds of thousands of dollars a year to get little key fobs that do it all for you. Um, Authy makes an amazing app that works with so many different programs. Uh, Google has one that only asks for one permission just to be able to access your screen at the time that it's showing it to you. Um, but it's absolutely necessary. If you have a WordPress website, you absolutely need second factor authentication. And there are dozens of different ones out there that you can use. WordPress. Yeah, and there's, I mean, on our, just on our site alone, I, I can't even tell you how many emails that I get of people trying to log in as my username and password. And I mean, they get, they get yeah. locked out because of the security that we have set up. But yeah, you, you want to make it as difficult as you can because there's people trying. And if you make it easier... They're going to get in and they're going to cause some damage and do some stuff. Oh, and then, hang on. Go I, ahead, yeah. There aren't people trying. It is a bot. It is a script. Correct. Sorry, yes. Lentless. When they I say people lentless. trying, I mean there's people who have computers oh, and, lots of, and lots of processing power dedicated simply to getting in places and hacking and trying to figure out ways to either just cause chaos maybe. Maybe they're not even interested in stealing. Sometimes it's no, just chaos. It's, but It's to post stuff. Like, yeah, like it really, it, it take over your site and have it look like a Bitcoin site or a, you know, Bank of America site, so that they can trick somebody else into going in there and giving their password. That's all I deal with on a daily basis. Are you know phishing sites that pop up because of stuff like that? Um, think about the processing power that's need needed to mine for Bitcoin. Now take that same processing power and then think about the amount of websites for one Bitcoin that they're able to mine for. How many websites they could hack because the password is password and the username is admin. Can you give, I mean, can you quantify that a little bit? Like if, if you've got like the top of the line, you know, iMac processor, i7 or something like that. What are we talking about? Is that, how long does it take to mine Bitcoins or do, I mean, like what kind of uh, hours are we talking Bitcoins, about? Mining Bitcoins, like they're, they're strings of dozens, if not hundreds of computers that are all put together and they have to process these extraordinarily complex mathematical equations. Okay. Um, you could probably hack a WordPress site 
and just hammer as many as you possibly could by using a basic script running um, probably a 386 processor. Okay. I mean, honestly, it's not so hard. So the, the entry level is not that high. Oh, no, not at all. Okay. I mean, it, it, it go through your own um, word friends. It'll tell you Russian IPs, um, oh, Ukrainian IPs. I mean, yep. it's low processing power and no one has to be there. And as soon as they get it, all they do is up upload a PHP script that makes the site look like a phishing site. Takes, and then they, can, they take control of your site, do what they want no, to do, set no, it up. With this, they really don't even care. They just want that they one want it site to look a certain way. Host, look yeah. at like a Bank of America. They upload that um, URL to somebody else and then say, tweet this out. And somebody inevitably will say, oh, yeah, no, I do need to reset my Bank of America password. And they go in there and type in their username and password. And it says one person will contact you. And by the time that you figure out what's happened, uh, they've drained your account and they've stolen all your data. Yeah. So. so security again, I know we're getting into the point of where this podcast is getting a little bit longer than usual for us. But, you know, we always, always, always need to be considering security and ways that you can make things better. Just know that there are computers and people that are out there dedicated to to breaking passwords and, you know, they're putting processing power towards it. So do everything you can to make it more difficult. You know, that's that's the bottom line. And also, since we'd mentioned it with the apps, you know, make sure that, again, if the flashlight app is asking you for your contacts and for your, you know, maybe find a different flashlight app. I'm just saying. Or use the one that's stock. Or the stock one. That, that'll work just fine, too. So if you want more information about the stories that we talked about today, go to edtechweeklyshow.com. I'll put some of those links in that Matt talked about, especially in the security area that we were talking about, so you guys can kind of research that on your own time. Um, I think there's something called two-factorauthentication.org or something like that. I'll I'll make sure I put that in there as well that gives you some of those websites that offer two-factor authentication. Follow me on Twitter, at 4TechTeachers. That's the number 4TechTeachers. Again, I'll post links to stories and some of these other things that we're discussing as well. You can email the show, edtechweekly at gmail.com. You know, send us a an mp3 of you know of your recording voice that you wanted to tell us something and we'll play it on the show and or you could call and leave a voicemail at 30592tech2 30592tech2 we've already had one voicemail that we played and we're waiting for our second one and don't forget edtechweekly.reddit.com that's for the us commoners who aren't on reddit all the time otherwise the subreddit is edtechweekly Post links to the sh- for the show to use or just post links that you think other me- people might find interesting. Resources, comment. There's actually been a few people that have posted things and upvoted some things. So I know it's 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 small, but it's, it's getting there. We've had some actual people on there. So it's pretty exciting. So check that out as well. Matt, they missed you last week. Please, please, do you have anything for the good people as we finish out this show? Yes. Up with Google, down with Comcast. I like it. And I think that's something a lot of people can get behind. Yes. Well done. All right, Matt. We'll see you next time on EdTech Weekly. Adios, amigos.